Hello, and welcome to this Solus Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We pray that God speaks to you today through this message. For more sermon content and information, visit solaschurch.com. All right, we're in Luke 11. Luke 11. Would you please stand with me this morning, if you're physically able, for the reading of God's Word? So, as you guys know, we've been... uh, Looking here at the Lord's Prayer in this context, I'll have Luke, uh, verses 2 through 4 up there on the screen. Um, and when we get there, please join me in reciting the Lord's Prayer out loud. But uh, I'll begin our scripture reading here again in Luke chapter 11. Let's look at the context here. Starting in verse 1, we looked at it last week. The Bible says, Now it came to pass, as he, that's Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of God for the people of God, to which we say, Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Uh, Father, now as I seek to communicate your word and your heart, I ask for just an empowerment from your spirit to, to not make this about me, but to make this all about you. Father, um, we want your voice. We want your work. Father in heaven, we want your will to be done in this time as it is in heaven. So we step out of the way, we surrender our wills, we surrender our plans to focus and invite yours. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to us today. Teach us, Jesus, how to pray. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, this morning, I'd like to preach from the title, Formation Foundation. Formation Foundation. So, question for you this morning. How do you begin your prayers? How do you begin your prayers? Like, what are the first words that come out of your mouth in your opening address to God? I've created some categories for you. You can put yourself in one of these. You're welcome. Maybe you are a dear Lord kind of a prayer, or a dear God, or a dear Father, or whatever. Maybe it's like super theological, dear God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But maybe you're a dear pray person. Or perhaps you're a kind of the servant posture of Lord God. Lord Father, Lord Jesus, or maybe you're like, you're more biblical than all of us, you actually obey the teachings of Jesus, and you, you got all the different versions of the Father. Heavenly Father, when you, pray, when you say grace, right? Father in heaven, Father, how do you begin your prayers? You know, there's this, uh, there's this famous Jewish prayer that begins like this. Blessed, praised, and glorified, exalted, and honored, and magnified, and lauded be the name of the Holy One. Maybe that's you. That's how you start. Hey, let's pray. And uh, by the time you've finished your intro, everyone's like checking their watches like it's at lunchtime, right? So many different ways to begin a prayer. Here in Luke 11, Jesus teaching his disciples their request, Lord, teach us to pray. He says, when you pray, and here's his beginning, pray, our Father in heaven. Some translations just say Father. In the original, we see this idea of addressing our heavenly Father. Jesus leads the beginning of his prayer by addressing God as, again, our Father in heaven. Now, let's ask a question here, an important question. What is Jesus seeking to give us here by leading us to begin our prayer this way? What is Jesus teaching us about prayer? I think whenever we're, we're asking a question like this, I think one of the most important things to ask first is, what is he not giving us? Let's start there. What is Jesus not teaching us? And let's establish a few things. First and foremost, by leading us to begin our prayer in this way, Jesus is not giving us some kind of strict formality, okay? He's not saying, you know, this is heaven's policy. If you want God to pay any attention to you and give any ear to your prayer, you have to begin your prayer this way. Uh, No way. That's not true. Uh, of course not. Jesus modeled many different kinds of prayers. On the cross, he didn't address God as Father. He addressed him as David did, as his God. My God, my God, why have you 
forsaken me. And it's not just that, but um, this prayer, we got to remember, as we said earlier, it's not this sort of strict formal policy of this is how you have to pray. If you ever pray any other words other than the Lord's Prayer, you're not really praying. Like, no, that's not what Jesus is trying to give us. He's not giving us something that's to be prayed mechanically. He's giving us a prayer to pray thematically. So no, this is not a strict formality. Some people have adopted the Lord's Prayer this way. Um, praying it formally, but missing the heart of it altogether. And we are trying to avoid that in this series. We're trying to get down to what are you trying to teach us about prayer, Jesus. Secondly, the second thing that we need to see Jesus not giving us, he's also not giving us some kind of secret formula. Okay? Like, this is how you get God to answer your prayer. Oh, you say, dear Lord, that's what's wrong. That's what's wrong. I'm glad I can be here to disciple you through this. How do you begin your prayers? Oh, ho, 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 ho. you don't start with our Father in heaven? Well, that's why you're not getting anything you're asking for. Uh, of course not. Secret formulas, no way. Uh, Jesus will look at it in Matthew 6 today. He talked about the heathens who pray that way, and they think that they're going to be heard for their many words, right? That, that they can sort of prove themselves to God, and the gods look on and go, okay, that was a good prayer. Let me give you what you're asking for. No, that, that's certainly not what he's giving us. It reminds me of a um, Babylon Bee article. If you're not familiar with the Babylon Bee, um, I don't know if I should uh, refer you to it, but it is a Christian satire uh, blog that, that sort of tools on American Christianity, like in a really convicted way. It's like the onion for Christians, if you know what the onion is. And they put out a recent article... And this is not real, okay? Just for the record, for the podcast, this is not a real study. Um, they, revealed, they released an article and it said, a new study revealed that the effectiveness of our prayers are directly linked to the number of times we say, Father God. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Father God, we just, Father God and Father God. So there's no formula here, right? The more you say this, the more, no, okay. So let's get down to the bottom then. What is it that Jesus is trying to teach us? I mean, here he goes. The, the horse is out the gate. Kentucky Derby reference there. But, you know, here, here it goes. Jesus is getting into his teaching. He's starting what he has to say to the disciples. They've said, Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, and Jesus can say anything here as his opening lesson about prayer. Why is it that he says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, not for a strict formality, not for a secret formula, but for, listen, a spiritual foundation. This is so important. What Jesus is giving us here is a spiritual foundation for prayer. Now we're going to see even in the Lord's Prayer in the next two weeks that the entire Lord's Prayer builds off of this foundation. Think of it like a building and all the different floors of the Lord's Prayer are built on top of the ground level of our Father in heaven. This is a foundation, but not just for this prayer. Listen, I want to submit to us today that this foundation that Jesus gives us here with this phrase, our Father in heaven, you see, it's a foundation for all of prayer. All of prayer. All of your prayer life is connected to what you believe about this. Our Father in heaven, I'll submit it to you this way, that the spiritual foundation of our Father in heaven is the foundation upon which our entire prayer life is built. Uh, now, to look at this this morning, I want to look at it in two parts. I want to look at first the foundation that Jesus gives us, and then we'll look at the formation. First, let's look at the foundation. The foundation that Jesus gives us of our Father in heaven. Um, Jesus begins his teaching on prayer where, where every good teacher should start. If you've ever learned anything new from some, someone before, whatever that was, um, you, probably, um, you, you probably learned it hopefully in the order of, like, first things first, right? You start with the basics, the fundamentals. Um, I've talked about it week after week that Judah, my son, is sort of like my, uh, my skate disciple. He's like my skateboard youngling. I am his Yoda. He is my Padawan, okay? And uh, along the way, I've been teaching Judah the... Um, he said, Father, teach me to skateboard. And I've said, come on, let's go. And I said, and I, I've started with him. you got to start with the fundamentals. I didn't say, okay, come on, you want to learn how to skateboard? Let's go to this quarter pipe, eight feet tall. Go ahead and drop in down on it, you know? That might be a good way, actually, to learn how to skate, though, because what you'll realize is, I don't want to do this. This hurts. So it may be a good teacher. But no, I started Judah with the fundamentals. 
the basics. If you see him today as a five-year-old, he's able to drop in on some of these big quarter pipes. The older kids at the skate park sometimes just stop and watch him. They're like, I'm going to quit now. He's younger than me, and he's better. Uh, anyway, but I started him with the, that's what Jesus is giving us. He's giving us a foundation. He's giving us the ground floor. And what is it that Jesus gives us? I think this is so cool. Jesus gives us a rock-solid theological foundation. He gives us a foundation that's going to be based on the truth of God. Why is this important? I think this is so important because I don't know about you, but oftentimes I find my prayer life is connected to how I feel. Do I feel like praying? Do I feel like God wants to hear me pray? Do I feel like God is approached? Jesus goes, no, I, I didn't say begin the prayer with our Father who I may feel in heaven. No, he states a fact of the matter, a theological foundation. He's teaching us that with prayer, first and foremost, we don't feel our way into prayer. Now, feelings, by the way, can we just take a moment to talk about feelings, okay? Feelings, uh, they are designed and we are wired as emotional creatures designed by God to respond to him in that way. We're, we're called to love the Lord our God with all of our soul. Some of us need to uh, allow the image of God to be displayed in our lives by loving him more with how we feel. God is honored in that. Uh, feelings can make a great servant to our relationship with God, but feelings will make a horrible master. And so I can't really worship unless I'm feeling it. All right, they missed the note. Now I can't worship, which they never have. They're, best. They're the best, okay? But, or, you know, I wasn't, I just, I'm just not feeling. Listen, listen, the Bible says this, right? We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We don't walk by feelings. That's not how we walk. That's not the basis of our steps. It's faith. God will bring those feelings, but I love this. What Jesus is leading us to do is go, when you pray, here's a foundation. You don't feel your way into prayer. Listen, you remember your way into prayer. You acknowledge your way, and you go, okay, I feel this way, but who is God right now? And what is the gospel right now? Is the gospel a feeling? No, the gospel is a fact. It's based on the resurrection of Jesus. How you feel doesn't determine the fact that Jesus is alive and he's paid for your sins. Okay, so what a great foundation, a theological foundation. And, and like any good foundation that's based on truth, Jesus knows what we need there is God himself. This is so important. Like, I don't know. I feel like today in the church, we, um, there definitely has been this imbalance of like all thoughts and ideas. And so when we, we can go verse by verse through the Bible, but then we don't care about if we're actually living according to the word of Jesus throughout the week. And so today you have what can be called like big head, tiny heart syndrome with a bunch of Christians that just know all these things about God, but it's not leading them to love God and love their neighbor any better. Like, come on, like, what's that? Um, that, that's not what, what we want, but can't we abandon something when we try to react to that? When we go, man, it's all about practice, it's all about method, it's all about strategy. We got, how do we get this? Okay, how do we get more people? Okay, we got to do this, we got to do that. And listen, there is no foundation that anyone can lay than that which has been laid, and that's Jesus. We can't, we can't lose that foundation in the name of mission, in the name of strategy. And so isn't it funny? Here's Jesus, and as he begins to give our teaching on prayer, he doesn't give us some kind of method. Okay, here's why your prayer life's struggling. Are you napping? Napping, which we should do that. Jesus did that a lot. That's, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I nap because he, he napped. I want to be like Christ, right? But, you know, or some sort of like methodological way to fix. Here's a strategy. Jesus, for our foundation in prayer, doesn't give us a new thing to try out. He gives us a person. He says, it's your Father in heaven. He gives us God. He gives us an understanding of God, which is what we most desperately need. What's wrong with my prayer life? My understanding of God. And who is God? Jesus says, he is, I love this, your Father in heaven. Your Father in heaven. Wow. What a great balance there, right? Like, he's Father, so he's close. So when I pray, I'm at home with my Father. I'm at home when I pray. But he's not my errand boy. He's my Father, not on earth. He's my Father in heaven. Psalm 115 verse 3 says that our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. 
all right? Like the whole Jesus is my homeboy thing, that is not in the word of God, right? He's your father. Wow, the, the nearness, the closeness, but he's our father in heaven. It's like, wow, God is my father, but also my father is God, right? And so there's this reverence mixed together with this intimacy. I love the way that Tim Chaddock, pastor and author, said it. He said, in prayer, intimacy without reverence leads to arrogance. Reverence without intimacy leads to distance. But intimacy with reverence can lead to assurance. This is my Father in heaven. I have the assurance of approaching him, knowing he'll welcome me as his child, but also the assurance that he knows the best way to answer every prayer I bring to him. Amen? It's my Father in heaven. What a great foundation. Let's lastly establish this. This is not just a foundation based on truth. This is not just a foundation based on God. This is a foundation that's based on Jesus. On the gospel of Jesus. How could any human being actually pray this way? How could anyone come before the God who is holy and in heaven above and from earth come to this God and say, Hey, Dad, who could do that? Well, the scriptures tell us who can do that. The Bible says in John chapter 1, that as many as receive Jesus, to them he's given the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Okay, so, so what do we have here? We have the relationship to God as Father, being able to pray this way, not as something that I'm entitled to, not as something that I'm born into, but something that I'm given the right through Jesus. Do you know the scriptures actually don't teach popular to common um, cultural ideology that God is all of our Father? Now, um, He is in the sense that we were all made in His image and we bear His resemblance. Amen. No matter what religion, background, orientation, no matter who you are, we are to love people as those who have been made in the image of God. As God's children, we should never, ever act like you're not God's child and I am. Right? Now, 1 John talks about that. When we, when we don't love, actually, that's evidence that we're not God's children, actually, is what 1 John says. Um, however, the scriptures teach that though we have been made in the image of God to resemble God, the scriptures teach that we have chosen another God by nature. And that nature is the God of self. That nature is the God of sin. And we have willingly, the scriptures even teach, we've transferred the rights of our fatherhood from God to Satan. A real being, the prince of this air. The Bible teaches that. In fact, Jesus, when he was on earth speaking to the religious leaders in John 8, he said, you're just like your dad. Who's that? The devil, just like him. The scriptures teach us, Ephesians 2 says this, that we're Christians because we've been made alive. We were dead. And the scripture says in Ephesians 2, verse 2, that we were by nature children of wrath by nature. We're not born into this right in the flesh, in the physical, to come before God and say, okay, Lord, I know I've been a little messed up, but just kind of clear that. It's, it's going to be okay. I'll do my best. Please accept. No, the scriptures teach that our posture against God has been one of running, running away from him, spitting in his face, turning away from him. Yet this same God, he is madly in love with those lost creations of his. He sends his own son into the world on a rescue mission, listen for this, to bring our adoption. To bring adoption, which adoption is special. Like, you know, I love all my kids because they're my kids. But to say, I listen, I choose you to be in my family. Adoption. Adoption, and this is all through, we know this, through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. That's why Jesus came to earth. This is so important here. Listen to this. Jesus is not just a good teacher. He's a great teacher, by the way. But this is a rebuke in the face of our modern cultural narrative and idea that just says, just be spiritual, just kind of pray. Um, Jesus is not on equal ground with Muhammad or Buddha or Krishna or whoever, fill in the blank for your new political candidate, whoever they are. You see, uh, and, uh, Tim Keller describes it this way beautifully. You know, 
If Jesus were just a teacher, what he would have done in his life and ministry is he would have just done what all teachers do, which is they point the way to God. Like, hopefully, that's what you experience here every Sunday at Solus, is not Andrew pointing his, the way to anything else except God. Like, this is God, let's go. But Jesus is the one, listen, who didn't point the way to God, but he said, I am the way to God. In my Father's house are many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. The disciples said, Lord, how, how do we get there? Can we get some uh, directions? Just send me, I'll plug it in to, to Siri, and I'll get there. How do I get there, Lord? What's the way? And Jesus said, what did he say? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father, notice this, except through me. Through me. Like, you know the difference between when you ask someone for directions or if, like, if you're at a new location, like, oh, this is kind of the culture we want here at Solus. Like, if you're new and you go up to somebody like, hey, where's Solus Kids? You come in here. I got, I got some children. I want to plug them in. Now, one way to get you there would be to go like this. It's over there. See that over there? Yeah. Go get it, right? Now, there's another way to say, come here, follow me, right? I, I, I'm the way there. I'm going to take you there. There are so many people that would like God to... Get them to him by just telling them how to get there. How do I get there? Just, got, no, I don't need, just tell me how to get to you. Do you know where that has led humanity for over 2,000 years? Whenever humanity has tried to find their way to God by following the instructions apart from Jesus, where has it led us? Here's the answer. Lost. Lost. Some of you today are like, I'm lost trying to find God. The way is not in the instructions. The way is in a person. See, Jesus is the way to God. He's the one that gets us to God. He is the son who became a man, C.S. Lewis says it this way, in order to enable men to become sons of God. The son of God who became a man to enable men and women to become sons and daughters of God. This is what Jesus came for, guys. He came, listen, so that you could be a son or a daughter of God. No longer a slave to fear, but a child of the living God. That's incredible. Romans 8 says it this way, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Papa, Dad. And the Aramaic, Papa, you're my, you're my dad. Through the work of the gospel, through the work of the spirit. And this is, let me, let me just tell you today that this is available. This is what Jesus has on offer for you today. To stop trying to make your way to him and instead find his way to you. Through his son, Jesus, you embrace Jesus as the way. You see that on the cross, he took all that you are trying to erase yourself. He took that sin upon him. He was put on that cross and punished for our own sin so that we, through faith in him, could be children of God. So that we could be children of God. Let's try that again. Amen? All right. So now, just as is in the Christian life as a whole, Jesus would say when it comes to prayer... The way that we should approach prayer is the way that John encourages us in 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father, let's just absorb this for a second, that he has bestowed on us that we shall be called children of God. This is a reason to be excited. That through Jesus, I get to just, listen, this is prayer now. Prayer is not going, how do I feel? Here's my foundation. My foundation is the truth of God. My foundation is my Father in heaven, the person of God. And my foundation is the work of God through Jesus. So when I come before prayer, I, it's not about how do I feel? Am I feeling loved? Am I feeling I behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on me that I shall be called a child of God. D Jesus doesn't just teach us to pray our Father in heaven. He enables us to pray that way. He enables us to be able to come before God and say, okay, you're my God, but you are my Father in heaven. Heaven, that is our foundation. It's our foundation. Now, I said there's two parts to this, though. I said, first, you have the foundation. But as I said here, this foundation is the foundation, write this down as well, of our formation. Let's get here now. 
The foundation, what God has done through Christ to adopt us into his family, prayer is going before God and beholding the love he's put on me so I can come before him. Now, that reality, okay, of what he's done, that foundation, it's the basis upon which my entire prayer life is shaped, or the word we have up there is formation. We talked about this word formation a little bit last week. I think it's a really important word. The word formation simply means this, who you're becoming. Who you're becoming. The scriptures will talk about who we are a lot, who we are, as we are. But the Bible has a whole lot more to say about who we're becoming. Scriptures like Romans 12, right? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Two words there are used in both of those. Uh, the words is formed, in conformed and transformed. Either way, you're being formed into someone. We're all becoming someone. The question isn't, are you experiencing spiritual formation? It's by who? It's into what? Through what? Now, as the disciples of Jesus, what we have done is we've, we've responded to Jesus' offer. He said, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden. I like the message translation says, all you who are burned out on religion. Get over here. He says, and take my yoke upon you. A yoke was a set, of, a set of teachings of a rabbi. Take my yoke. Learn. He says, and learn from me. Let me be the one who's forming you. And that's what we're doing here with Jesus. He gives us a foundation upon which we're able to experience his formation. And, and it happens almost by default. Would you turn with me to Matthew 6? I want to show you it here. Matthew 6. Uh, Matthew 6, as we said, is the other the other occasion in Scripture where Jesus is giving us the Lord's Prayer as a model, we have Luke's version that we just looked at. That's a response to the disciples' question for Jesus to teach them to pray. Uh, and then we have Matthew's version, where here in Matthew's version, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus gives us a little bit more than just um, like how to pray. Like this is what you say, here's your foundation. Jesus goes into also how not to pray, like, which is sometimes the best way to learn something is like, don't, don't do it that way. Don't do that, okay? Um, that's, not, that's not how you do it. Don't do that, right? Like in skateboarding, let me give you an example because um, that's my other religion. Um, just kidding. I'm not, I'm, okay. Um, so in skateboarding, there's two ways you can push, right? Like there's, um, there's what's called regular, which is where your front foot is forward and you push with your back foot. See how natural that looks, right? So you just, just kidding, all right? I've got to live in my glory days. I'm 31 now. If Without Judah, I wouldn't be on the skateboard, okay? Now, there's another way to push in skateboarding that if you have someone in skating that loves you, they will tell you. Does anybody know what it's called? Mongo. Mongo pushing is like the thing you want. It's like kind of like skate park etiquette. Like, yo, when you show up at the skate park, first time there? Okay. Make sure you don't push Mongo. It's the thing that if you show up to the skate park and you're not doing this, but you're doing this, now, it's, most of you are like, you're just kicking your feet. It looks like the same thing. But not to a skateboarder. To a skateboarder, it's like, oh, that poor dear soul. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. We're going to film them. Let's film them. I mean, that's literally what Mongo pushing is in skateboarding. And so sometimes it's knowing what not to do. And Jesus helps us with that with prayer. Like, it's one thing for him to say, this is how you push. But here Jesus is saying, here, here's how not to pray. Here's how not to do it. And what we're going to see here, I want us to read this. I want you to notice what's at the foundation of everything he's saying. Okay? Jesus is talking about our formation. Let's read this together. Verse 5 says, And when you pray, Matthew 6, 5, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand praying, or pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Mongo pushers, mongo prayers, okay? Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. But when you pray, when, when you pray, rather, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words." Therefore, verse 8, do not be like them. For your, what? Father knows the things that you have need of before you even ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray our Father in heaven. Jesus saying, here's how not to pray. Here's how you ought to pray. It's all built on this foundation of your Father. Do you see that? For 
times here. Jesus is saying that everything about your prayer life is connected to who your Father is. Who your Father is. Now, uh, Jesus gives us here, I want us to look at this. Jesus gives us three ways that the foundation of God as our Father forms our prayer life. He first says that this foundation of God as our Father, first thing it does is it informs why we pray. Okay, it informs why we pray. God being my Father in heaven foundationally informs, it's forming me, and it informs why I pray. Why do I pray? And Jesus gives us an example of two other people that pray. And the first thing he does for them, by the way, is he, um, the hypocrites and the heathens are the two dudes there. The hypocrites and the heathens are the performers and the pagans. Uh, but he says these two guys, here's how they pray, first of all. They pray, um, the hypocrite prays, for, for him it's about performing something. Okay, so he actually goes to the most public, like nobody prayed, by the way, at the street corner. That wasn't like a thing in Jewish, it was just like, I'm, where am I going to pray? I could pray in intimacy alone with the Father, or I could pray on the corner where everybody's watching. I'll go with the corner, right? That's what they literally did. And they even had like these prayer outfits that they would wear. Some of you guys were like, oh, prayer outfits? That's, no, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Like it's, it was a very prideful, self-righteous thing. And they would go, and their prayer, the purpose of their prayer was to Perform. That's how they would pray, in a performing manner. Okay? We would be lying if we said we've never done this before. Come on, have you ever prayed out loud and you're like, everyone thinks I'm so spiritual right now? That prayer is getting answered. <laughs> right? On top of it, everybody looks at me and they're like, wow, he can pray. That guy is a, just a student of the Lord, a man of God. All right? Now, there's a temptation here for all of us to pray this way, but then there's also the heathens. The hypocrites' prayer for them is about performing something, but listen, for the heathens' prayer is about proving something, namely to God. Now, Jesus is obviously emphasizing a lot here that we shouldn't pray like them, and he's emphasizing the manner in which they pray, how they pray. Like, we shouldn't pray, you know, to try to get people to be like, oh, wow, they're spiritual, right? Uh, nor should we pray uh, in a proving manner. But what Jesus is really getting at is not just how they're praying, but why they're praying that way. This is important. See, the reason why the hypocrite is praying in a performing manner is because they're trying to get the attention and stir the affection of people, right? It's like, oh, did you hear? I, but have you heard him pray? What, and just the oh, so spiritual. I love them. Would you disciple me? I just just the way you prayed has led me to want to be your disciple. Right? That's why they're doing it. How they're doing it is flowing from their foundation of why they're doing it. And then the heathens. The reason why they're praying to prove something with their many words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Like, like they're using it in order to get the attention and listen, stir the affection of God. That's why they're doing it. Jesus says, don't pray like them. Why would we ever pray to get the attention of people and stir the affection of people? Or why would we ever pray, listen, to get the attention and stir the affection of God when he's our father? Now, now do you see where he goes with that? He goes, listen, the, the, the root issue here for you is, notice what he says, he says, when you pray, you don't pray like this, verse 8, for your Father knows the things that you need even before you ask. So, so the missing link here with the hypocrites and the heathens is that they don't know God as Father. They need to pray to get something from someone, get the attention. Or even when they pray to God, they're coming before God trying to prove something to him to get his attention so that God would see them and go, okay, you're worthy now of my attention. You're worthy now of my affection. Which, let me say this, it's what every child is looking for from dad. I want dad's attention. And with his attention, I want his affection. I want him to see me. And I want him to let me know that he cares for me me. But every kid is looking for, Dad, do you, do you see me? I can't tell you how many times a day Judah, my son, will say, Dad, watch. Dad, watch. The answer is more than I can count. Now, why is he seeing that? What, what, you know what he wants? Jude, at this stage, it's wonderful. I'm like, don't grow up. He doesn't want anybody else's approval but mine. It's what every child wants. It's what we, listen, it's what we all want from God, isn't it? God, if you're for me, who could be against me? We, we just want God's attention. Can I tell you something? You have his attention. You have his affection. Because Jesus paid it all. 
you could never get any more of God's attention. You can never get any more or less of God's affection. It's been said, right? He loves you not as who you're going to be. He loves you right now for who you are. There's nothing you can do to earn more of that affection. There's nothing you can do to lose any of that affection because his love for you is established from eternity. And you can't alter it. You can't manipulate it with your good behavior, your bad behavior, your good prayers, your bad prayers. You're a child of God and your father cares for you. Is there a better reason to pray than that? What a reason to pray. Jesus is saying, this is why you should pray. Not to try to get God's attention, but you should pray because you have it. You have it. You have it. You go, I haven't prayed in so long. You haven't lost God's attention. You haven't lost God's affection. You can't stir what's been established through Jesus. He loves you. Um, and I think this is, again, this is foundational. God is my father will inform why I pray, not to get something, but because I have something. I don't have to try to perform my way or prove my way into his love in prayer. Um, I love the way 1 John says it. Come on, we all know this verse, that we love him because he first loved us. You're not praying so that God will love you. You're praying because he does. We love him because he first loved us. And I want to say this, that this truth... The preceding, always preceding and prevenient grace and love of God is the only lasting motivation for prayer. Only lasting. The only reason why I'm still praying 10 years or 12 years or so walking with Jesus is not because I keep getting better and better at it. Anybody else? Like, hopefully we grow in prayer. But I feel like prayer does, it's like, oh, like you get saved, you're like, oh my gosh, I can pray to God, you know? It's like, it's awesome, he's a creator, and he made, and then like you kind of, oh, okay. You, you almost sound like you learn too much to pray. And then like a new Christian comes along, and they're like, hey, let's pray! And you're like, oh gosh, you know. I remember being there, you know. <laughs> One day you'll be jaded like me, you know. And it kind of go, you go through these dips and these struggles. And the reason why I'm still going to pray today is because God still wants me to. He still wants me to be with him as his child. That's the only true lasting motivator for prayer. Uh, and this, can I tell you something? This will cause you to fight to be with God. And I want to mention this. I know that there are seasons of life that make it really hard to go into your room and shut your door because you have kids banging on the outside of it. Or your husband, okay? Sometimes it's the same thing, but it's okay. I get that. Can I say that? Can I tell you the Lord knows that too? Can I tell you that God isn't trying to hold you to a standard of a season of life that you're not in anymore? Like, oh, I used to, I used to spend so much time with God. Yeah, and God has now counted you worthy to spend time with kids he's given you. He's prepared you for this moment. You're not a bad mom because you don't pray as much as you used to. You're a great mom because you're pressing through as hard as it is to keep raising those kids and to raise them to know Jesus. But, but let me say this. It doesn't take the form in every season, but when you return to this, like the first love of his first love, when you return to this, you'll fight for that time. And it, and it might not look like what it used to, like 4 a.m., a little coffee, Oswald Chambers, whatever else complimentary devotion you have. Just going to read through Ezekiel this morning. Get on my knees and pray. You're like, yeah, I was up at 4 a.m. It would have been nice to be up for the Lord, but um, my kid peed in their bed again. And, like, come on. And so, listen, it doesn't always have to look like what it used to, but can I tell you, moms, people who are in seasons of life where this is hard, when you grasp the fact that this is your heavenly father who loves you, you don't have to be legalistic about the time you get, but you will fight to be with him. Just fight to be with him. That's all I'm going to encourage you to do. Fight the fight of faith. Fight to be with him. Like when I, I went to California a couple weeks ago on a trip, and every two seconds, Judah was FaceTiming me. Like he discovered how to FaceTime. It's, it's awesome. I'm surprised he doesn't FaceTime me in the middle of this. He's in the other room, you know. Um, what a great description of what prayer could look like. You just fight for it. And I would, most of the time I couldn't answer. I was at a wedding or, or we had a lot of stuff going on over there. But it was like that fight to be with your father. Um, 
This will inform why you pray. This is so foundational. It'll, it'll cause you to fight for that FaceTime. And sometimes what's missing there is kind of, again, like I said, that first love problem. Revelation talks about the importance of returning to our first love. Like returning to this. This isn't about what I do for God. This is about, about what God has done in Christ for me. This is first about his love, his love. And that will draw us in. But can I also say, this definitely needs to be said. Maybe the root issue of why we don't pray and why we're not drawn to prayer is because we can't get our earthly father's care for us or lack of care for us. We can't get that out of how I relate to God. So there's this sense in which we're trying to like scrub the face of our father off the face of God. And um, can I say, no matter how great or bad, I had an incredible father. I do have an incredible father. No matter who your dad was, you're going to need God to reveal who he is to you as a heavenly father. As good as you, now every good father on earth is just a reflection of who God is. The danger we make is we start making God in the image of our earthly father. So Jesus said, even your good fathers, they're evil and broken. They need Jesus. A.W. Tozer said that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I would say it's also the most important thing about prayer. What comes into your mind when you think about God as your Father in heaven is the most important thing about your prayer life. Uh, John Tyson, author, pastor, said, unless we break the stronghold of false images of God in our mind, we will never be drawn to prayer. You know what I'm talking about? Those images where you're like, okay, is he like this? I feel that he's like this. And here's what we need. You know what we need? We need to pray the same thing that Philip prayed to Jesus. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. Can I tell you that God wants to show you who he is as your Father in heaven, set apart from any perfect or, or flawed Father on earth? He's, un he's your Father in heaven. He's not your Father on earth. And he is, he's unique, he is holy, he is your father in a way that only he can be. And what we need is to say, God, show me who you are as my father. And help me get the image and the idea of what a father is like because of my experience, whether good or bad, off of you so that I can be drawn to you. And Jesus, I love what he says to Thomas, or Philip, he says, for he who sees me has seen the father, by the way. This is so cool. So you go, well, how do I get to know the Father? I want to get to know my heavenly Father. I got some ideas about God as a Father because I had a bad experience with my Father. Here's who you need to zero in on, the person of Jesus. We'll show you what God is like. Just look at Jesus. He reveals the Father. Now, this information, it leads to a transformation about how we pray. So it affects if we pray. Okay, I'm going to pray because you're my Father and I have everything that I could ever try to get from you, I already have through Jesus. So prayer is not about proving something or performing my way into your love and affection. I have your attention. You're my father. That love draws me in, and that why starts to inform the how. We saw the way that these two guys were, Jesus was saying, don't pray like them. How do they pray? We saw it. They pray as a performance, and they also pray um, in, in a sense of proving something to God. And I love what Jesus goes to. He goes, there's the heathens... There's the hypocrites, but then he goes, but then there's who you are. You're a child of God, and that's going to inform how you come to God. This is huge. Like our prayer life, think of it this way. It's rooted in how I understand God, but it's also rooted in how I understand myself. What's my identity? Who am I to God? I know he's my father, but do I know that I'm his child? Do I see myself that way? Because that will change how you come to him. How will you come to him? the way that Jesus says we should come to him, uh, which is listed in Matthew 18. It's an interesting passage, right, where the disciples are arguing about, Lord, who is greatest in the kingdom of God, right? Who's the best? And Jesus, the Bible says in Matthew 18, verse 2, called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, put him right in his lap. Check, check this kid out. You see this kid? He said, most surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. 
Interesting, right? The disciples were acting childish. Jesus said, okay, you got to act more childlike. Right? You're being childish. And what Jesus says is, don't, it's not about being childish, but it's about being childlike. We're his children. How do we come to him as his children? Now, the hardest thing, let's be honest, about coming to God as a child is being an adult. Right? Like, be a child. You're like, I can't. I'm just too much of an adult right now. It's like, now we're all someone's child here, of course. But the idea here is Jesus saying, come with the posture and the humility of a child. And, and sometimes life can beat that childlikeness out of us. We get too smart, we get too independent, we get too adult. And we sort of, and you hear this all the time, that people, they sort of grew out of the whole religion thing. I became an adult, right? I started believing facts and I started to, to just use my reason because I, I didn't need to just believe whatever mommy and daddy said and let's establish it. We're doing that this summer so we don't have to do that. But Jesus says, remain as a child. Come before me as a child. Humble yourself as a child. When you recognize that God is your father, it's coming before him as his child. Now, what does that look like? Some of you guys have kids, so I think you'll resonate with this. Uh, but first, as children of God, I think it looks like coming before him thankfully. Like, I love where Jesus starts. Like, what revolution this will bring to our prayer life. We have all of our needs. We have all of our worries. But as you bring your list of pain and suffering to God, you begin with this, Father in heaven. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow. It's really cool that I can pray that. I'm going through a lot of stuff right now, but there's a gratitude. We're actually able to do what Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That thanksgiving factor is rooted in who you're bringing your cares to. It's God. He's your Father. Uh, also, there's a sense in which we come confidently. We come confidently. Um, we come to him knowing who he is, confident in his character, confident in that. Jesus tells a story about a, a, a son here in the same, the same Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7. Jesus goes, you know, what, what man among you, if his son comes to him and says, Dad, can I have something to eat? Dad, can I have a fish? Can I have some bread? What sort of like jacked up dad is going to be like, sure, you want a fish? And then sneak a stone into his kid's mouth. Break your teeth, little one. Like, who would do that, right? Like, Jesus, who, who does it? Or, Dad, can I, can I, can I get some fish? And, and the dad goes, sure. And he throws a serpent. New kind of fish. Try it out, you know? Like, what? Jesus goes, no. Like, no, for the most part, the nature of dad made in the image of God is to care for their kids. And then he says this, how much more, how much more, huge factor there, your father in heaven. How much more? How much more? God, however cared for I've been in this life, no matter who they've been, how much more do you care for me? How much more confident should we be in God's character as our Father? We also come dependently. We, we say, Lord, um, I need you. And I know that I'm valuable to you. you Jesus says, look, look around. Look at the birds of the air, how God takes care of them. Are you not more valuable as God's child to him than some birds he created? Of course you are. You can come to him dependently, and lastly, we can come before him honestly. This is huge. I can come before him as I am because I'm not trying to earn him as my dad because if I'm his son, I'm always going to be his son. No matter what my son Judah does, he'll always be my son. That's never an option. Like You might get, some, take it, you might get disciplined, but there's never going to be a discipline. It's like, Judah, you, you didn't mow the lawn. You're no longer going to get out of my house. You're not my kid anymore. No, even if, I, even if I send him out of my house, he's still my son. And so there's this honesty that that gives, that, this cradle for our security to be vulnerable. Because God's not our father because we performed our way there. He's our father because of Jesus. And that allows us to be real and honest. There's this Scottish preacher who put it this way, Robert Murray McShane, best name ever. He says, what a man is on his knees before God, that he is and nothing more. I love that. Robert Murray McShane, what a man is on his knees before God. That's who he really is in that place of honesty. And let's close out with this last thing. Uh, the foundation of God is my Father. It informs how we pray. It trans or sorry, it informs why we pray. It transforms how we pray. And lastly, it reforms what we pray. So we have this foundation of God is my Father. 
being essential to my formation in prayer. It gives, me a, it gives me the reason why I pray, not to get something, but because I have someone. It's transforming how I come before him as a child, dependent upon him, thankful for him, confident in him. And it also reforms what we pray. Jesus ends this by talking about those heathens who use vain repetitions in their prayers. And then Jesus gives us a theme of what to pray. Again, that's the Lord's Prayer. And this is why we're studying this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we're studying the Lord's Prayer often uh, or centrally around this idea that we find in Romans 8, which tells us that we don't know what to pray for as we ought most of the time. Um, the idea here is that we tend to have an imbalance. I don't know about you, but I, I tend to be often imbalanced in my prayers. And, you know, there's good news that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, interprets for us to God what we're trying to say. But there's also the Word of God. There's Jesus, our teacher, saying, let me help you get balanced. So, like, for example, uh, he balances out our idea of God, right? Father in heaven. That's a good balance there. Uh, and then Jesus, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to look at in detail, Jesus goes on to balance out even our petitions, like there often for me is, I think, an imbalance in when I petition God and I ask for things, I usually have like a pretty narrow like um, focus on heaven. Like I need this. And it's almost like Jesus is opening up our lens to see all that heaven is and all that we can access through prayer. So instead of going right for Lord, give me what I need, Jesus lists three petitions that have nothing to do with me but have everything to do with God. Right? Hallowed be your name. We're going to look at it next week. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Three yours. Before he gets to the us's, like, give us, give me, Lord, help me. Jesus is leading us to pray with a concern for the things of God, balancing us out. And then even when he gets to the petitions, isn't it interesting, the personal petitions, he doesn't say that doesn't matter, right? Don't pray for yourself. What are you doing, right? Only pray for, no, he doesn't do that. But he brings balance even to our personal petitions, where we might just go, Lord, um, I need rent this month. Lord, I need food. Lord, I need to get this job. Lord, I need this. Jesus goes, well, have you also thought about um, prayer for God to forgive you of your sin? And prayer that enables you to forgive others. In your petitions, are you praying for God to keep you from making bad decisions and stumbling into sin? Are you praying this? How about this? Lord, um, keep me from the evil one. See, he's centering and he's balancing out our petitions. But again... It's all based on this foundation, that God is our Father in heaven. Thanks again for tuning in. We pray that you were blessed by today's message. If you'd like to visit us in person, we gather at Don Estridge High Tech Middle School in Boca Raton, Florida, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more sermon content and information, you can check out solaschurch.com.